Good morning. I hope you came ready to worship the Lord. So uh, put a smile on your face, a uh, song in your heart, and let's stand if you would. We're going to start with this is amazing grace this morning. All right, here we go. Put your hands together and help us out.
Aren't you glad he's faithful? Amen. Well, if you believe all that, that you've been saved by amazing grace and that he is faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him, put a smile on your face. That ought to make us all want to smile. And tell somebody you're glad to see him this morning if you would. Greet somebody in the Lord this morning if you would. fellowship if you would you can find your place and go ahead and be seated and brother martin is going to come give us our announcements give brother martin a big hand if you would all right thank you so much i hope all your new year's resolutions are going great um, i think the right side of the church made a new year's resolution to be at church every sunday thank you thank you some of you you'll get it later Brother Mark, I've been trying to tell you for a week, but uh, I'm going to tell you an old man talk. Okay. I see you got your ears laid. <laughs> it looks really, really good. All right, so uh, do we have any first-time visitors here this morning? First-time visitors, signify it by raising your hand. It's, thank you for being here. Um, one of our ushers is going to get you a little card. If you'll just fill it out and put it in the basket on the way out, uh, we would just want to keep a record with, of you visiting with us. And again, thank you for being here. So uh, we are back to full schedules. Wednesday, uh, we do have morning Bible study here in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. Uh, then that night, we do serve a meal at 6 p.m. And then uh, 7 p.m., we have something for the little ones, the middle ones, which are mine, and then the older ones. So um, there is something for everybody on Wednesday. Uh, Sunday school. For all ages here at 10 in the morning on Sunday morning, um, I'm telling you, we only covered, I'm teaching Sunday school for the adults for the next few weeks, we only covered like three passages of scripture. That's when you know you had a really, really good time. So um, that means there's a lot of talking, a lot of dialogue going on. That is where iron sharpens iron, whatever questions, whatever things uh, you may have. Uh, definitely come. We are working out of the book of John, which is amazing. We had a lot of uh, scriptural truth that just kind of blew our minds this morning. So again, Sunday school at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Jose teaches the, uh, the young people. And then I believe uh, we do have nursery and all that good stuff there. Uh, we do need help for teachers and helpers with children and toddlers on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. Um, if you will see Miss Cindy on that, if you are willing to volunteer. Uh, if everyone does a little bit, it's not so taxing on just a few. Uh, giving can be done by envelope or online at giving.landmarktyler.com. It is through PayPal. You just set it up one time. Uh, we do need volunteers uh, help on cleaning the church. Uh, again, it's not a huge uh, time frame. I believe it normally takes a couple hours uh, an hour, vacuum, wipe everything down, an hour, if you're slow like me, a couple hours. Um, and if you're here and you want some Jesus music, I will crank this system up. 
probably to the point where Brother Mark will be uh, mad at me. So just let me know. I work out of that office. If you need some Jesus music, I will get it going. Uh, we do have a movie night coming up, Good Time of Fellowship, on Sunday, January 29th at 6 p.m. Uh, we are working through The Chosen, so we will be watching another uh, episode of The Chosen. So again, that is Sunday, January 29th. We have popcorn, Skittles. Tell us what you want. We'll have it for you. Uh, no nachos. Um, we do have life recovery class today at 1 p.m. So if you've been coming to life recovery class, it does resume today. And other than that, so glad to see everybody's faces uh, here this morning. And let's just praise our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Martin. Amen. Hey, I want to tell you, I'm so glad you're here. I know uh, we are officially now into... 2023 i hope that uh that you are looking to god what god is going to do some great things in 2023 uh pray for sickness we got a lot of just the crud going around right now covid strep throat uh, flu I've, i had people texting me this morning that they're sick that they're uh, having a hard time getting over it please pray for jack allison uh she had to take him in he had 105 degree fever and pneumonia and so, uh, and Brother Jack is real weak because of uh, he's on the feeding tube. And so, uh, say a special prayer for Brother Jack Allison this morning, if you would, all right? Let's continue to worship. If you would, stand with me. We're going to sing this great song. There is nothing that our God can't do. Amen. Thank you. 
order for the Lord to answer our prayer, we have to talk to him. And we know that he answers our prayer. And there's many, many times he answers and surprises you probably and says yes. But we know his will. We want his will. And sometimes it's not yes. Sometimes it's wait. And sometimes it's no. But I can just tell you our Lord is perfect. And because he's perfect, he gives you a perfect answer. Amen? And so we need him every hour, every day, don't we? So let's sing this together. Oh, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me, my Savior. I come to
Julie pray for us? Father God, Lord, we just sung to you, God, from our hearts that we need you, Father. Oh, how we need you, gracious Lord. Only you can speak truth to us, Jesus, if we're willing to be open, God, to your, to your voice. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you would be with our message, Father, that, that you would just open our minds and our hearts to be receptive to what you want to speak to us individually about, Father. God, we are all in different places this morning, Father. And a lot of our families sick, God, we just ask that you would heal them, Lord. You are a great healer. Lord, we just praise you this morning because there's nothing that you can't do in our lives. So just work in our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Uh, if you have children that would like to go to Children's Church, you can meet Miss Cindy, Miss April over there. And uh, they are going to take care of our kids this morning. Give our kids and our workers a big hand, if you would. Always taking such good care of our kids. They sacrifice so that you and I can, uh, can sit in here and just uh, have a wonderful time together. Amen. All right. Oh, look at that. He's waving. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, could use a little bit of help if anybody wants to go help. All right, there's one. Awesome, wonderful. Thank you for helping. All right, I want to share with you this morning. I kind of started, uh, you know, the beginning of a new year is usually a time to say, well, we're going to turn over a new leaf or we're going to do. I don't like to do resolutions because I know how I do on resolutions. Uh, I usually don't even make it to the end of the month, amen. But uh, uh, there again, I'm not the most self-disciplined, self-controlled person. We talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, but I'm going to talk about, uh, just can kind of continue on with that. I don't know if you remember last week I talked about the power of pre-deciding. You can't make those decisions of, of you're going to take a stand for God. You can't make those decisions in the heat of the moment. You have to make those decisions ahead of time and decide, you know what, if I get and when I get in this situation, I'm already deciding this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand for God. And it makes things a lot easier if you'll go ahead and pre-decide where do you stand? Where are you going to stand? If, if a situation comes up, uh, where am I going to stand on that? And so uh, a great way to avoid uh, a lot of uh, uh, not fulfilling what uh, you've told God you're going to do, your commitment. We talked about a couple of dirty words last week. I got your attention because I said I was going to say dirty words in church. Those two dirty words are commitment and consistency because those are dirty words in our culture today, aren't they? Nobody wants to commit to anything. Nobody wants to be consistent to anything. But the reality is if you and I are going to be successful in life and successful in pressing in towards God, then we've got to be those two things. We've got to be committed. We've got to be consistent. I would tell you the two hardest things in church as far as being a pastor is not getting discouraged because people are, don't want to commit and people are not consistent. And I would tell you that's two of our biggest, that's two of our biggest issues. So how do we overcome that? The devil gets, we, we have good intentions. We want to do right. Uh, you know, we're reading on, uh, on Wednesday nights. We're going through the book of Romans. And we just got through with Romans 7. And Paul 
the guy we look up to, the guy that we think is a spiritual giant. In Romans 7, Paul just starts venting and says, I'm a wretched man. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do them. And the things that I want to do, the very things I want to do, I don't have the power to do them. And I, invariably, I keep doing the wrong thing. And so we may think to ourselves, well, gosh, if Paul struggles, what hope do I have? Listen, but you got to remember, and it's this next Wednesday, Romans 8's coming. And Romans 8, Paul turns it around. He says, oh, but I have a hope. Amen. I have a hope because it's not me living. It's Christ Jesus living in me. Amen. So uh, I want to go back. We just sang a song called I Need Thee Every Hour. And I don't know if you caught the second verse. It says this, and here's a little precursor to the sermon. I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. Amen. So I just kind of gave you the whole sermon in one little verse right there. But we're going to expound on that. But here's the key. If you want to overcome temptation, if you want to overcome the devil always getting the victory, then you need to press into God. The key to all of this is not your religion. The key to all of this is your relationship. It is not a religion. It is a relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will do the, the closer you stay to him, the better you will do. Amen. The more that you press in towards him, the better that you will do. Because I can tell you, you may think this only happens at your house, but I can guarantee you it happens at everybody's house. Sunday morning comes, and it's just like, ooh, I just ain't feeling it today. Dirty words, consistence, commitment. And you have to press through. A lot of what I do, and I've told you this before, even as the preacher, you think I feel like getting up here every Sunday? You are sadly mistaken. Because I get discouraged just like you. I got some Sundays where I just got to confess to you, I ain't feeling it. Amen? But guess what? I know you're coming. I know you need a word. So what do I have to do? <clears throat> Press through. Now, if it's good enough for the preacher, it's good enough for everybody in the room. The Sundays, and I always tell people this, the Sundays you feel like I ain't feeling it and I don't want to go, those are the Sundays you need to get down here the quickest. Because that means the devil is trying to keep you from something you need to hear and you need to be encouraged with that morning. Amen? Amen. So I'm encouraging you, push through. We have to all push through. Uh, you push through at work uh, because you get a paycheck. And if you want that paycheck at the end of the week, you know you better show up. You better push on through and show up. Listen, it operates that way with everything. There's a little more incentive because there's a paycheck, uh, you know, connected to it. But I want to tell you, Church, family life, raising godly children, uh, that's work. And it doesn't just happen by accident. You have to get close to the Lord. You have to commit yourself. I'm going to be the best husband, the best father, the best mother, the best wife. I'm committing. I'm going to be those things. And day in and day out, not just commitment, but consistency in the commitment, right? If you want to raise godly kids, it don't happen in a week. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It don't happen in a month. It don't happen in a year. It's all of those days for those 18, 19, 20 years, all of that investment that you put in, that's what it is. And you must be consistent. On the days you get up and I say, I don't feel like parenting today. 
Is that going to fly? No, because life happens, and it's coming at you. And it don't matter whether you feel it that day or not. Your kids are going to go up. They want to be fed. They got to get dressed. They got to go to school. All of those responsibilities. So you press on through. Our spiritual life is no different. Press on through. 2023, I could think that would be a great uh, motto for all of us. I'm going to press on through. All right? But today I'm going to key in right here. Three keys to overcoming temptation. Because a lot of the reason that you and I, we just sometimes don't fulfill what the Lord wants to do in our life is because we become so weak in overcoming temptation. The devil, can I guarantee you, the devil will always put something else in your path. He will always put distractions. He'll always give you something better to do. If you wait till Sunday morning, see the house I grew up in, once we all got saved, now I spent the first 12 years of my life, no church at all. Never went inside of a church, except if it was a wedding or a funeral. But then some people visited our house, were bold enough to share the gospel. Me and my sister started going. We got saved. My mama uh, recommitted her life, and my daddy got saved. And all of a sudden, things changed. And I mean, it was a radical change. Because I, I grew up in a church that taught you, you commit yourself, and you're consistent. And we went from no church to good golly. We're going every time the doors are open. Come on, mom and dad. But we did. And there was not a question. When, su- when Saturday night got there, there was no question what we were doing Sunday morning. Some of your houses, unfortunately, I know how it goes. Daddy, we go in church in the morning. Well, I don't know. We'll all wake. See, see what time we all wake up, and we'll see what we all feel like. And, you know, if, and if nothing, you know, is the sun shining? Because the lake's out there if the sun's shining. Or, you know, is, it, is the weather going to be cold or hot? Let's just wait and see. And, you know, I think Uncle, Uncle Billy was going to call, and he was maybe going to have us over for a cookout. So if we don't get a better deal, then maybe we'll go to church. I, I hate to be blunt. I hate to be honest, but you know me. I'm just going to be real. Amen? Isn't that how we do? And so, but I grew up in a household, and in the time, again, now this was back in the 70s and 80s, uh, you know, people just seemed to be a little more committed. And there was no question in my house what we were doing on Sunday morning. Saturday night, we already knew. It had been pre-decided. Hello? Get it? Get the word? It had been pre-decided on Saturday. We were getting up. We were going to be in church on Sunday. And short of somebody being sick, and listen, can I say this? I'm going to quote an old gospel quartet song. The whole family don't have to stay at home to blow that poor kid's nose. (laughs) Amen? One sick kid, one parent stays, rest of the family comes. That's the way it used to be, not so much anymore. Amen? Brother Mark, you're being hard this morning. I'm sorry. Amen? Um, here's the key. Uh, no one plans to be overweight. Amen? <laughs> some of you are with me, some of you aren't. Uh, when I was... 20 and skinny, I did not plan to look like this at 60, amen? But I'm here to tell you, that's not the plan. That's the way it ended up happening because of choices and decisions I've made in my life that were not always the greatest. 
because you want to see a lack of self-discipline and self-control, there it is right there. I've heard somebody call that their cooker, amen? I don't know. It doesn't cook anything, but it, it, it stores a lot of food, amen? Uh, I didn't plan to be this size. Didn't plan to let it get out of hand and get overweight. Uh, the person who has to file bankruptcy, they did not plan to go broke and file bankruptcy. Nobody plans those things. You didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I want to be an alcoholic. I think I want to ruin my life and be tied to the bottle and have it ruin my family and my marriage. And I just want to be addicted or drugs, fill in the blank, whatever it may be. Amen. Uh, I did not. People don't grow up and say, you know what? I want to have a wonderful family. So one day I can lose my mind and go crazy and lose my entire family. Nobody plans to do that. That is not in the long-range plan. You never plan to wreck your life, but can I say something? The problem is you don't ever plan not to wreck your life. And as I said last week, and you can put this back up, here's what we decided last week. The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. All of this, your life, where you're at right now in life, is a culmination of all the decisions that you've made in your life. Good, bad, and ugly, right? And so we have to understand, I have to take responsibility for that. You have to take responsibility. I have to, what we call in recovery, they call it owning it. I have to own my part of that. If your marriage is failing, guess what? It takes two to make a great marriage. It takes two to mess one up, amen? And if my marriage is struggling, as half of that equation, I have to own my part of it. I have to own where I failed, where I've made bad decisions. But if you want, so here's the kicker with that statement. If you want the quality of your life to go up, you need your decisions, the quality of your decisions to go up. And that's what, what we're going to talk about this morning, all right? Um, we need to get to where we say this, and we need to say it to ourselves and to the Lord. I am ready. I am consistent, I am devoted, I am generous, I am faithful, I am a strong finisher. Remember what Paul said? Paul said, I have run, the, he came to the end of his life and he said, I have run the race. I have run the race. And it's a race. And it is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And you can start off real good. I've known many people who've started off strong in the Lord. But they make some mistakes, and they make some major mistakes later in their life. And sometimes it costs them everything. Those bad decisions late in life, it doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. In a marathon, everybody starts in the same place at the starting line. But people do not finish in the same place. Some people never finish. And so we must understand that, okay? Um, decisions, here's what we've got to decide. <clears throat> That our decisions won't be based on what feels good in the moment, but on who you want to be for the rest of your life. Your Did you get that? Your decisions don't need to be based on what feels good in the moment. And we talked about this last week. We run on emotions, don't we? And so whatever the emotion is at the time, we let that run us, and we make a lot of our decisions based on the emotion of the moment. That's not how you make good decisions. A good decision is one that is based on who do I want to be for the rest of my life? Who do I want people to remember Mark Trammell as? Who do I want people to remember the good things in my life? Who, who, 
how do I want people to remember me? Again, we've said this before. I do a lot of funerals, part of the job, unfortunately. Uh, but here's the one thing. I, it's wonderful when I can do the funeral of a believer because I know the hope of heaven, and I know that that person knows the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, when we do that funeral, nobody cares what they did for a living. Nobody cares how much money they made, what kind of car they drove, what kind of house they lived in. The only thing people remember at my funeral and your funeral is going to be, how did this person make me feel? Did they encourage me? Were they a blessing in my life? So when I make decisions, I need to look to the future. And I need to say, what do I want? What kind of person do I want Mark Trammell to be remembered as? And that's how I need to base my decisions. Because if you just run off your emotions, you're always going to make the wrong choices. Because it's all based on what feels good at the moment. Okay? Two scriptures. Starting with 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I'm sorry, I'm on uh, antihistamine. So I got cotton mouth, so... Look at this. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. That, that's a, a short little scripture, but that's a strong scripture, isn't it? It means watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. Have you ever heard the term watchman on the wall? Scriptural. And that's what this is referring to. You need to be a watchman on the wall of your life. And a watchman on the wall, they used to wall the cities, remember? Uh, the city would have a wall all the way around it, and they'd post guards on each corner. And the watchman on the wall was the guy who looked at and looked for the enemy, looked for anybody coming over the hill, looked for anybody that would attack them, looked for anybody that wanted to overtake them. Can I tell you that? As Christians, here's a real key to this. You must be a watchman on your wall, watching for Satan. It's not if the devil's going to show up. It's just when he's going to show up because he will show up. He wants to steal from you, kill from you, and destroy you. And so you must be a watchman on the wall, and then you have to stand fast in the faith. You don't go running when you see the enemy coming over the hill. Does the watchman run off the wall? No, he yells down, enemy's coming, and he stands fast. He stands, keeps his position, and then he's brave and he's strong. This is what you and I need to do. This is a key, all right? Um, the other scripture is Matthew 26, 41. It says this, watch and pray. What does that say? Watch and pray. So you must not only be a watchman on the wall, you must be a person of prayer. What does it say after that? Lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Anybody here relate to that verse other than me? I want, I'm like Paul in Romans 7. I want to do the right thing all the time, but sometimes I end up doing the exact opposite. The things that I don't want to do, that I want to stay away from, those are the very things I find myself involved in. Yeah? So, the key is, be a watchman on the wall and be a, a, a prayer warrior. All right? Lest you enter into temptation. What's wrong with getting up every morning and saying, Lord, I need you to protect me from temptation today. Remember the Lord's Prayer? The one prayer kind of Jesus gave them, the model prayer? Lead us not into what? But deliver us from what? And he told them pray that every day. Right? 
if you don't pray anything else, that's a good one to pray every single morning. Because the devil, he's looking at When you get up in the morning, he's ready to go to battle. Are you? Most of us, we're just waking up. We're just trying to survive. We don't even realize we're in a battle. Well, guess what? If you don't realize you're in a battle, you're probably going to lose that battle. Amen? So you must get up every day watching, all right? Why prepare? Why be ready? Because the devil is coming for you. Amen? And you are not as strong as you think. Let me repeat that. The devil is coming for you, and you are not as strong as you think. Now, I've told you before, I'm not like a lot of preachers. I don't preach at you. I preach with you, and I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching. You're not looking at a preacher who even wants to begin to claim he's got all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Any preacher tells you they do, they're lying. And some preachers preach at you like, you need to get your act together and get, get, get everything lined in order just like I have. They're lying because we're all humans. We're all flesh and blood. I struggle just like you struggle. All right? And sometimes you can get a little too big for your own britches, and you can get a little too religious, you can get a little too self-righteous, and you think, oh, come on. I don't have to, put, I don't have to look out for that thing because I got that thing already whooped. Oh, my goodness, you better hush your mouth. Amen? Because I'm here to tell you, the devil takes that as a personal challenge. When you say, oh, I don't struggle with that, the devil says, oh, you don't? <laughs> well, let me just put something in your pathway. Amen? The devil, he sees it as his personal challenge, all right? So the devil's coming for you, and you are not as strong as you think. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. We all need to memorize this one. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is overtaking you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. He is faithful, amen, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let me say something about a very, what comes from this scripture right here is one of the most misquoted things in the Bible. Because you will hear some people say sometimes, God won't put more on you than you can handle. It did not say that. It did not say that. Look at this. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It doesn't say that God won't put more on you than you can handle. Sometimes God has to put more on you and handle to get you in the right place. That is a misquoted verse. That, that is never true. Don't let people say that to you. Yes, God sometimes will put more on you than you can handle because he needs to drive you to your knees and drive you to him. Amen? This promises that he will not allow a temptation that you don't have the power to say no to. He will not allow a temptation that you don't have a way of escape. Doesn't say you will. Says, I will not allow anything that you don't have a way to say no to it. But what do we do? Many times we just say, oh, that looks good. Bring it on. Amen. Adam and Eve. Eve saw the apple, you know, and God said, don't eat from that. Oh, but it sure does look good. Amen. Then Adam, she didn't even have to convince him. He just said, oh, you ate it? All right, I'll eat it too. Amen. That's a dumb man for you. Amen. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, sin looks good. If the, if the serpent had given an old, rotten, bruised-up apple, would anybody wanted it? 
Listen, they lie to you. Oh, sin's not fun. Yes, it is. Why does anybody want to do it? It's fun. It's fun for a season. Sin appeals to the flesh, right? And so sin will always look good on the outside, but it leads to death. All right? Um, studies show that people overestimate their ability to resist temptation. Resisting temptation takes tons of energy, self-control, self-discipline. These things must be predecided and planned. All right? Now, again, I've already confessed to you. I, I struggle with self-control and self-discipline. Amen? Now, again, thank God that God has kept me away from certain things, and I'm not addicted to those things, but guess what? There are other things, and maybe they're a little so, more socially acceptable. But I am prone to not eating till I'm full, but eating till I'm bursting. Gluttony. You ever heard of that word? Uh, some people live to eat. Some people eat to live. I live to eat. Amen. It tastes good. And even when I know I should stop, it just tastes so good. What is that? That's appealing to the flesh. That is a lack of self-control and a lack of self-discipline. And I see those people who exist the whole day on a little small sack of unsalted almonds and cashews. Yes, this is my lunch today. I say, you done lost your mind. Amen. <laughs> I'm not sucking on some unsalted cashews when I can go down here to Whataburger. Amen. But what is that? That's just a lack of self-discipline and a lack of self-control, isn't it? And it doesn't matter. That, again, that's a socially acceptable one. But guess what? It operates the same way with alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever your poison of choice is. Amen? And so we must learn to and pre-decide, Lord, I'm going to say no. I know the temptation is coming. I know that the devil's going to put it in my, in my path, and I have to pre-decide. I'm going to say no when that shows up. If I'm trying to lose weight, when the sugar shows up, and the Lord puts that Twinkie in my pathway or that, uh, you know, that fried pie or whatever it is, I have to pre-decide. And I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I have to pre-decide I am not touching that Twinkie. Amen? I am leaving that fried pie alone. Amen? But uh, I, I have to pre-decide that. And I, I can tell you there have been times where I've done that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the thing about it is I, you have to do it every single time. What is the problem? And I tell this people all this all the time, and I tell it to myself all the time. The problem ain't losing weight. I've lost hundreds of pounds. I should be, next, I should be nothing up here, amen? I've lost enough to be, lose my entire self over the years. The problem's not losing weight. What's the problem? Keeping weight off. You know that dirty word? Consistency. Commitment. The problem's not losing the weight. The problem is keeping the weight off. And over the span of time, because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Amen? I can lose 100 pounds uh, this year, but that, does that mean I won't keep it off the year after that? No, not at all. I have to decide. All right? Um, so let me quit beating around the bush and just give it to you. Three keys to fighting temptation. Brother Mark, I didn't think you'd ever get there. Well, here it comes. Amen? Number one. Move the line. What does that mean? You know how most of us operate? The edge of that stage is the line. And here comes the temptation. 
You know, here's what our brain does. I want to see exactly how close I can get to that line. I get my, I can even get my toes over it without crossing the line. Teenagers, if you're dating, this ain't just for teenagers, this is for grown people. If you are in a single time of life, you don't decide. You've heard me say this, and I've done youth work. I know Brother Martin has used this probably many times. You don't decide when you're in the back of the car how far you're going to go. Right? You better have decided before you got in the car how far you were going to go. Because if you make that decision in the heat of the battle, you're probably going to lose. You have to pre-decide, I'm going to keep my purity. I'm going to remain pure in the Lord, and I'm not going to cross that line. But what we want to do is we want to know, well, okay, we, we, we we won't cross the line, but what can I do? How close can I get to the line? What can we do and still say we didn't do it? Right? And don't we do that with every, no matter what the sin is? How close can I, well, what can I do? What can I get away with? I knew a guy that went on a fast to lose some weight again, and uh, he cracked me up. And I ain't going to tell you his name because probably, y'all probably all know him. Uh, but he told me, he said, you know, I, I, I didn't eat the steak, but I put it in a blender, and I kind of blended it up and got it just enough liquid. <laughs> and then I would... Drink a little bit of it, get it all in my mouth, just get the taste of it, and then I spit it out. He said, I didn't eat it. I didn't eat it. I didn't cross the line. And I thought, boy, you is crazy, man. That's bad, amen? That's, that's called walking up and getting all the toes over the line, amen? But I didn't eat it. I didn't swallow it, amen? I got it all over my taste buds, but I didn't swallow it. That's wrong. So we need to learn to move the line. Move the line further back. If, you, if you're going to try to go up the line, you need to learn to move the, the line further back. I'm going to get real blunt here again, real honest. Uh, if you want to drink, you don't need to go where they serve alcohol, at least for the first couple of years that you're sober. Why? Because you know that's a line. And if you put yourself in the position too early you know there's a good chance you may cross that line. And so if you have a problem with alcohol, you need to stay away from it. You need to move that line back and say, at least for a couple of years, I'm pulling back that line. I'm not going to go there. Uh, if you have a problem overspending, let's talk about some more socially acceptable ones. Maybe you like to click on things on the Internet, purchase, buy, put in the cart. Amen. Some of you need to say, I don't need to buy stuff like that anymore. That's too easy. I tend to get myself in a bad financial situation if I put myself in that position. So I need to stop going there. Can I say this? Here's, unfortunately, what most people do. What is the least I can do to get away with it? We even treat our jobs like that. We get a job, and the first thing we kind of want to monitor is what's the least amount I can do work during the week to still get paid and not lose my job? That's the way we operate, isn't it? And that's the wrong way to operate. I should want to be the best employee in that company. I, I should want to be 
the one that everybody looks to and says, that's the first one here and the last one out. And they are always working. They are a good, strong employee because we are the light of the world. We're a, a reflection of Christ. Amen? So be very, very careful. Uh, I need to put distance between me and temptation. Let me just be real blunt again here, okay? Here's the thing. Some of you, uh, brother, this is a Brother Mike saying, uh, if you want to change your ways, you're going to change your playmates, you play places, and you play pretties. Can I just say, when people tell me I struggle with this, and I ask them, do you still go here? Do you still have those same friends? You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. I know this was an old drug program, but it just needs to be uh, stated again. I think this was Nancy Reagan. She came up with the Just Say No campaign. Can I tell you, we need to bring that back for just about everything in our lives. We need to learn to just say no. Because I can't tell you how many people come in that office and want advice, and they say, I don't want to drink anymore. Well, do you go to these places? Do you still hang out with these friends? Yes, I do. You're not going to make it. You got to learn to change all that. If you really want to be free and clean, you've got to change. You play places, you play pretties, and you play things. And you've got to learn to just say no to it. Amen? All right. Number two, magnify the cost. What does that mean? Sin will always cost you. Sin will always cost you. And. I'm usually I'm a glass half full guy and normally in most situations I tell you uh, don't don't go to the worst case scenario because that'll make you a negative person but can I tell you in matters sometimes of spirituality you need to think about the worst case scenario if you're talking about an addiction in your life or a struggle in your life you do need to say what is the worst case scenario here because many times that worst case scenario will come true and you need to say, I need to count the cost. Because every sin and every temptation that the devil wants to get you involved in, again, he wants to use it to steal, kill, and destroy your life, your family, your marriage. And so sometimes you need to look. If I continue to live this way, if I continue to drink alcohol and, and be a drunk the way this is, is it going to cost me my marriage? Yes. If you keep going... And you don't do anything about it and you don't change it? Yes. Is, is this going to lead, is this addiction going to lead to me possibly even losing my family? Yes. One of the biggest ones today that we don't talk a lot about, but it's because of the culture we live in and, and what we see on television, all those things, anger problems, anger management, right? And so if you can't control your anger, you're going to be in trouble. And if you can't control your anger, Guess what? If you slap your wife around or you get too angry at your kids and you get too physical with your kids, somebody will come and take your kids away. Somebody will come and then your wife will say, I don't want to live like this and they will no longer want to be married to you. So yes, it can cost you everything. And sometimes when you're thinking, the devil will say, nah, nobody will know. It's okay. It's not going to cost you anything. He's lying to you. He is the father of lies. All right? He's lying to you. So in this case, I would say magnify the cost and think about the worst case scenario. 
Because many times that's exactly where your addiction and your sin will carry you. So the scripture for this is Numbers 32, 23. But if you, do, if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. That's a hard scripture, y'all. That's a hard scripture. But it says that everything will be brought to light. What do I stand to lose? You could lose your marriage. You could use your, lose your integrity. You could lose the trust of other people in your life. You could lose the respect of other people in life. Uh, if you're like me or Brother Martin in a position like this, you could lose your calling. You could lose your ministry. You could lose your job. And that's even if you're not in ministry. Uh, I've known people uh, got addicted to pornography, got on it at work, and it cost them their job. Uh, it can cost you your house. If you don't get your financial house in order and you spend, 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 and you've overspent yourself uh, and you don't make the payments on your house, can I tell you what the bank will do if you miss too many payments on your house? They will come take your house. Uh, it could cost you your financial security. It could cost you everything. So magnify the cost. And number three is this. Plan your escape ahead of time. Plan your escape. Uh, and I, we'll, we'll use a guy from the Bible as our example. Anybody here remember the story of Joseph? And Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. But he ends up, he's a man of God, and he ends up, uh, God shows favor on him. He comes out of prison, and he gets assigned to Potiphar's house, who was uh, leading the country at that time. And so he becomes a servant. And a very trusted servant. Potiphar trusts him with his family, with his home, with everything. All right? And so let's look at it. Genesis 39, 6 and 7. It says, uh, Thus he left all that he had, this is talking about Potiphar, in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. He, didn't, he left uh, Joseph in charge of finances, his family. It says Potiphar didn't know anything. Didn't know what he had. Didn't know how much money he had. Didn't know how much stuff he had except for what he ate, what was put on the plate in front of him. He totally trusted Joseph. Now, Joseph, but look at, here's a little kicker. This is what my wife says about me. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, amen? No, she didn't say that. Uh, Joseph was a stud, amen? And Joseph was single. He didn't have any ties. So, Joseph, in this situation, could have made any excuse he wanted to. Well, I'm, hey, I'm good looking. I'm young. I'm still sowing my wild oats. I'm single. I'm not tied to anybody. But look what happened. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, come here, big boy. Lie with me. Sleep with me. Amen. And there wasn't going to be no sleeping involved. Amen. So she lusts after Joseph. And if you go on in the story, Joseph did everything he could to avoid the situation. He moved the line. He tried to stay away from Potiphar's wife. He got to where it was a big uh, palace, so he tried to stay on the other end of the palace. But she was relentless because what? The devil is relentless. Satan is relentless. Amen? Temptation is relentless. It will not give up. It will keep on. And so finally, if you go to the end of the story, it says Joseph realized that he could no longer stay. She grabbed him by the cloak, and it says literally that Joseph ran out of his cloak, running away naked. 
Now, I'm not saying you need to go running away naked from all your problems, amen? But that's what jo Joseph took it so seriously and knew that this was going to cost him everything. It was going to cost him everything. And Potiphar had trusted him with everything, everything in his house, his wife, everything. And he said, I am not going to do that. When did Joseph decide that? Long time before. He had already pre-decided it. I will not cross that line. And listen, uh, Joseph could have made excuses. He, again, he could have said, I'm single. I'm young. I know I'm good looking. Uh, you know, so I got nothing to be ashamed of. But can I tell you this? Here's an interesting thing. Many times we use our disappointments to justify our disobedience. Joseph could say, well, God shouldn't have put me in this position. And I'm young and I'm single and I got nothing to be ashamed of. So I'll just go ahead and sleep with her. Nobody will know. She won't tell. I won't tell. And Joseph could have used that. Joseph had been through so many. His brothers had sold him into slavery. He'd been thrown in prison. And many times we got to say, you know what, God? You've allowed all this in my life. I deserve some fun. I deserve to please my flesh, right? And we use our disappointments to justify our disobedience. We say this, God let me down. And God let me down, so guess what, God? I got nothing for you. Um, this, is what, this is how people fall into affairs. My spouse isn't meeting my needs. So I just got to do what I got to do. You know? We justify using our, our disobedience because of our disappointments in God or our disappointments in ourselves. quite honestly, most of the time. We may say, well, you know what? And I've said this one before. I get this one a lot. That's just the way God made me. That's just the way God made me. And I ain't going to change. So I'm just accepting it and I'm living in it. Mm -mm. That's an excuse, isn't it? That is an excuse. God has not called you to live in it. And that is not the way God made you. Last scripture, Genesis 39, 12. And I already told you the story, but it says, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he ran outside. Can I tell you, the whole point of this whole lesson has been when you see temptation, when you see the devil, when you see things coming your way, you need to do just what Joseph did. Run. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But guess what? Sometimes it's so hot and heavy, you need to do the running. Stay away. Stay away. Stay away. Uh, put the last slide up there and I'm going to ask the band to come on back. And we're going to sing one more song and uh, give you a chance to... Uh, to make decisions for the Lord. Here's what we need to do. Last and foremost, I need to predecide that I am putting distance between myself and temptation. I'm putting distance between myself and temptation. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Maybe you would say, I am not, uh, I'm not where I need to be. Maybe you would say, I'm not sure if I were to die, if I'd go to heaven or hell. I'm, uh, I'm struggling in that. I don't know if my relationship with the Lord is exactly where it needs to be. The wonderful thing about the Lord is, is he is always there waiting with his arms open wide for us to come back to him. Maybe you've struggled in some of these things we talked about this morning. And you just need to say, I need to give it to the Lord. I need to start over. I need to, for 2023, I need to turn over 
a new leaf and do some new things. If you would, with your head bowed and your eye closed, if that's you and you're not sure where your relationship with the Lord is, uh, just pray to him. Just pray right now, if you would, uh, in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, and right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save me. I pray it in Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer today. I want you to come tell Brother Martin or myself. We're going to sing one more song. Brother Martin's going to be over here. He would love to pray with you. I'll be on this side. I would love to pray with you. You just need to come to the altar. If you need to uh, tell me that you prayed that prayer this morning of uh, salvation or rededication, you need to join the church. Whatever you need to do, uh, you come if you would. Let's stand if you would, and we're going to sing this last song. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus. 
I just want to ask you this morning, is there uh, anything we talked about this morning that you would be bold enough to say, Brother Mark, I just need some help in a certain area. I'm not asking you to tell me what it is. Uh, you don't tell me yours. I won't tell you mine. But you know what it is. The Lord knows what it is. You say, Brother Mark, I need to work on this area. And would you pray for me? Anybody? Thank you for your boldness. Listen, we all struggle. We all struggle in certain areas. But I want to convince you, and I want you to understand, <coughs> draw near to the Lord. I need him every hour. You need him every hour. And if I'm going to resist temptation, I have to stay near him. I have to stay near his heart. I have to draw near to him and let him give me the strength. I don't have the strength. I don't have the self-discipline. I don't have the self-control. But guess what? The spirit of God that lives in you does. <coughs> Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Have your will in your way. Bless everyone as they go from this place today. <coughs> Lord, I pray that you'd help every person that raised their hand, God, in their struggle. God, help them to lean on you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great rest of your day.